So we're here at the HBOT News Network with Dr. Harch. I'm blessed to have him in the continuing conversation. And in this segment, we're going to focus on strokes. And, uh, and strokes, of course, have major impact on the brain, and we've been covering some of the brain topics. And so welcome, Dr. Harch, and thank you for um, being here to cover strokes with us. My pleasure. So, great to be here. So, so in, in, in your experience, and, uh, and, and I'm curious, from the standpoint of strokes, you've been treating stroke victims, um, I guess, through much of your career. Is that true? Yes. What, what can you tell us about strokes that, that would be valuable for them? This is the most effective therapy for strokes. Um, and it goes back to our discussions on wounding and such. Uh, and the, the concept was rooted in this idea that brain cells don't have to die, that they can be partially injured, and that you can actually revive them. And this was pointed out by my mentor in a letter to The Lancet, which was the famous medical journal we have talked about before, um, in 1990. And it's, it's been termed the idling neuron letter, that a neuron can be dead or alive and functional, but it can also be in this kind of intermediate state where it's been injured and knocked down to an idling level. Doesn't have enough metabolic capacity, oxygen, blood flow, whatever, to send its electrical signals. And if the neuron can't send its electrical signals, it's as good as dead in that it can't give you function. What causes it to get into that state where it's in the middle? Lowering of blood flow and oxygen level. So what's been shown is that we have, on average, a certain amount of blood flow going to your brain. And when you're, like I am active now, moving my hands and talking, those areas of the brain responsible for all that activity are going a whole lot faster. There are RPMs like in an engine. It's all revved up, the metabolism's going, and there's much more blood flow to it. But at rest, just sitting here, not doing anything, uh, there's a certain basal level. When there's been an injury, like a stroke, what's been shown is that as the blood flow gets lowered to different areas and different levels. Like from a blockage. Like Correct. Like a blockage in the artery, a blood clot. The cells go through different stress states where they turn on different genes. They get to a point at about 60% reduction in blood flow where they no longer have enough oxygen and blood flow and sugar and fat to generate electrical signals. It's called electrical silence but they don't actually die until that's been dropped another 60%. So they can live in that state of idling, if you will, that low basal state. So what Dr. Neubauer did, and he had been treating strokes for years, he had published in 1980 a study with, oh, I can't remember the numbers, how many stroke patients he had treated, acute stroke, subacute period, chronic period even. But he was never able to image what he was doing on CT scan. Or by 1990, even MRI was not quite in vogue yet, but never could get a picture of it until he did a brain blood flow scan. So think of it, stroke, the most common form is a blood clot in an artery, forms in an area of you know, irregularity, atherosclerosis in the artery, or a blood clot that comes from, let's say, the heart and goes and plugs the artery. But what happens is downstream, there's no blood flow. 
So you've got almost a sphere of brain of varying size depending on the blood vessel where there's no blood flow and it has to trickle in from the surrounding areas of brain. And as it does and trickles down, the cells it passes take oxygen out of it. So what you end up with is a gradient of amount of blood flow and oxygen to the center. Well, when you get down to that threshold point of death, the cells die. But in this region here is something you can do something about. So what they did was take this lady who is 60 years old, 14 years post-stroke, affected the whole side of her body. She's paralyzed, drooling, can't eat, has a peg tube, no speech, and totally dependent. And it can't even sit up. She's in a semi-reclining, this jerry chair. And he did a spec brain scan, and you could see the huge deficit. And you could see it on CT scan, the anatomic equivalent. But the blood flow on the blood flow scan, there's none in that area. They then put her in the chamber, took her out, and repeated the brain scan. And right in the center of on the CT scan looked like the deadest area. It lit up with blood flow and metabolism. Turns out it was the area that controlled all facial motor. So lips, tongue, mouth, speech, etc., And a shoulder function and leg function, not the hand and arm. Over the next 16 months, they treated her with intermittent hyperbaric oxygen and face mask oxygen intermittently, normal baric oxygen, in the nursing home. She reacquired her speech, stopped drooling, was able to eat. They got rid of the peg tube, and they were able to get her up with assisted ambulation. And what the article was saying is, after 14 years of stroke, wait a minute. The concept that we've had in neurology all these years, that brain cells are either dead or alive after a stroke or an injury, no. Maybe they, we can have some injured ones that under the right stimulation, in this case, pressure and oxygen, can be revived. And, and that set the foundation for what we were doing right at that time then, starting to look with the brain imaging and assess people who could respond. We do a scan, one treatment, rescan. And it's identifying that salvageable tissue now, and now, then treating it. Now, now I, you know, I know I've, I've read some, a little bit about the potential, and maybe this was used somewhere, where they, they basically had the ambulance as a hyperbaric chamber, and someone had a stroke, they put them immediately in it and drove the oxygen into the blood plasma. This was done in England. Got past the clot or the blockage, and so you didn't have that long period of time where, as you said earlier, you dropped you know, basically to zero and you have cell death. Right. And, and, and that's, that's another thing, like the cerebral palsy, giving every child that's born with, you know, yes. with or without the knowledge of any injury, because that doesn't show up for a period of time anyway, uh, it is, is just a, a quick hyperbaric treatment could really solve a lot of the, the ills of cerebral palsy. This could also, in, in effect, prevent the damage done from stroke victims so, so or, or minimize it yes like a massive stroke would not have the you know the, the such serious effects as you've just described correct and you know with the clot dissolving drug that's now used for treatment of stroke once you dissolve that clot you now have what reperfusion injury so coupling the hyperbaric oxygen with the clot dissolving drug and in 1997 right here well right here in North Carolina at the Gray Lynn Conference Center in Winston-Salem, 
Wake Forest, uh, uh, Bowman Gray University Medical School, uh, Dr. Jim Toole, who is a, a famous neurologist, um, held a conference on hyperbaric oxygen stroke, brought all the people, and it was my senior partner, Dr. Keith Van Meter, who proposed, you know, why don't we look at doing hyperbaric ambulance? And in fact, right now, he is developing one, and they, they are in the final prototypic construction of it with uh, NASA down in New Orleans. To actually do that? Uh, yes. Wouldn't that be wonderful yes. to have that? Yes, and so that is, that is underway. It's a, it's a huge project, but they're very close. They have some investors who uh, are helping fund it. So there's a large group in the United States that, that have strokes. We know that. It's, yes. It's, and, and, and what percentage of them are actually getting hyperbaric oxygen is relatively small. Uh, extremely small. Yeah. I mean, I think there are 800,000 strokes per year in the U.S. roughly. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a huge number. I, in fact, I talk about it at the exact time Dr. Neubauer was publishing that article in Lancet. We had an almost equivalent case, Mr. H., who was 12 years post-stroke and was mute. Never said a word and completely amotivational, just laid there in bed. He could move. But his wife, of course, couldn't take care of him and finally had to put him in a nursing home. And every month she'd go and visit him and say hi and all this stuff. But you can imagine, no speech, no communication, nothing. Uh, and uh, had been this way for 12 years. Well, just laying in bed, he developed bed sores on his heels. So he got sent to our wound care unit for wound care, and the plastic surgeon saw them, and the plastic surgeon said, okay, we're going to do a flap closure, uh, cut the ulcer out and advance tissue, plastic surgery. We're going to close those wounds, and yes, you can do hyperbaric oxygen with it. It'll help. Because of wound care. Correct. So we started treating him. And we got about uh, oh, 10, 12 treatments in, and the, the uh, stretcher van that would bring him in every day, he, he'd come through and he was just crying. And of course he's mute and he wouldn't write, couldn't write. I'm the doctor and I'm going, what's going on with this guy? And so I'm doing the workup, you know, and he can't talk, we gotta look for the problem. Head to toe, I'm doing tests, examining, couldn't find anything. I said, this is odd, we kept treating him. This was 1990, kept treating him. We got to about 15, 18 treatments, stretcher brand brings him in, and he does this to me. Comes through the double doors, and, and he's doing this. And I'm looking around, I'm saying, is anybody looking at Mr. H? You know, 12 years, the guy's been like a stiff in bed, and now he's waving to us. Another 10 treatments, and he starts talking. And about that time, the stretcher van brings him in that day, and behind him is his wife. Uh, and uh, remember the old Wendy's uh, Where's the Beef commercials? Clara, you know, where's the beef? Uh, she was a spitting image of, of that lady. And she comes through the double doors, and she goes, where's the doctor? And I go, I'm the doctor. She said, what did you do to my husband? The translation was, oh, I may have to take him home now <laughs> after 12 years. But, you know, she said, he's talking to me. What happened here? And I said, I don't know. We're, we're doing this hyperbaric treatment, and maybe this is what's happening to these divers and the boxers. You know, his brain's waking up. No, this was idling neurons that we were treating in this guy and, and reactivating these injured areas that weren't yet dead. 
And it was like, wow, what do we have here? I mean, it was another one of these cases that helped really shape my whole career. Well, Mr. H, well, you know, you thank have, you. You have um, in your forward here is, um, is Dr. Bill Duncan. Yes. And, and, and so. God bless him. So in 2014, when I first heard you speak, yes. I, I met Bill. And, and then at some point, got a group together of, you know, retired generals and chiropractors and doctors. And, and, uh, and Bill, flew Bill in to do a presentation. Yes. And then, and so we're, so that night we had dinner at my house. And so, you know, I have, I, I have Chuck and Linda Bush with me. And, and, uh, and so I, you know, just turned to Bill and I said, I said, Bill, I said, you know, from what I understand, because I started out a major skeptic, like, how come I don't know about this? There's got to be something here, like got to dig, 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 dig. So at that point, I'm pretty convinced in all that I'm reading. And, you know, I've read your book and I've read, you know, a lot of um, research or clinical trials. And uh, so Bill, I said, from what I understand, hyperbaric oxygen, the only thing it can't do is bring back the dead. And uh, I said, but it can bring back the half dead. And, and, and Bill said to me, he said, that's not entirely true. That is, Bill <laughs> is right. And then he said, he talked about a case where some young guy was, a young man was in the Mississippi River down 29 minutes. It's my brought, seat. Brought him up. And, and, uh, and so maybe you can tell us a little bit about that because stroke victims have, you know, they're not encouraged and they have no hope. Right. And wherever we see them get into hyperbarics, there is some improvement. Uh, as my wife, hyperbaric nurse, partner, you know, I need to throw some superlatives in, characterize this therapy. It's hope for the hopeless. Um, uh, but yes, in 1983, a diver, and I have permission to use all these names that I have used, uh, um, was in the Mississippi River, 90 feet, 80 some feet down, and they were salvaging a tugboat that had sunk brand new tugboat and anyways it sunk in the river and it's now encased in silt and even with a crane they cannot lift this thing off the bottom of the Mississippi so they send down a diving crew with what's called an airlift an airlift is an, uh, uh, an incredibly powerful vacuum cleaner and it's a tube about this wide has a steel bar across the bottom of it so it doesn't suck up you know trees and other stuff but it's got a thousand horsepower diesel engine up on the deck of the boat or barge and it's literally vacuuming up oh and the key thing they put a high pressure airline down there and they inject air into it so by Boyle's law which is part of what we do in hyperbaric medicine one of the universal gas laws that gas down there coming out under pressure now comes to the surface and as it does it expands and what it does is pull a tremendous vacuum that's augmented by that hundred uh, or you know thousand horsepower diesel engine, Ooh. and it will shoot mud off the Mississippi, vacuum it off the floor of the Mississippi River, a uh, hundred feet in the air, shoot it out. So this diver's down there with this airlift suction, suctioning silt to loosen up, and he got sucked up into it the, against the bar. Helmet came off, so now he's got this huge vacuum on him and he arrests he's dead and they send another diver down to get him and uh, two divers down and the two divers can't find him the two divers find each other eventually they get this guy they bring him up and they lay him out on the deck of the barge and he it's like a dead fish just I mean dead as dead 
and they decided, well, maybe decompression sickness is part of this. They put him in a hyperbaric chamber, take him to six atmospheres of pressure. So the clinical chambers go to maximum three. There's 165 feet of pressure, and they put him on pure oxygen. His head was swollen, hugely swollen. You couldn't see eyes, nose, mouth, anything. They just put the mask on him here, hoping that there's somewhere an opening in there. Took him to 165 feet, and the lung volume collapses and will suck air in. He entrained the oxygen, sparked up, came to life wide awake, and now this high free flow oxygen at six atmospheres in the chamber, the inside tender is breathing, gets oxygen toxic, and has a seizure. And this resuscitated diver now is tending to the seizure, telling him, Jim, you're going to be okay. Just hang on. They got this all recorded. You know, it's, uh, anyways, it was a total save resuscitation. He was dead for 25 minutes. All right, cardiac arrest for 25 minutes. Well, so, so That's what the estimate was. And uh, we just had him back. Now, I think he, he died a few years ago of a heart attack. But a number of years ago in New Orleans, we had him back, uh, had him 23 years afterwards. Completely psychometrically tested, uh, everything. Spec brain scan. IQ was 123. So, so he had yeah. gone. He had worked for years. It's, yeah, totally bring brought, back the dead. To, totally brought him back. And you know, one of the things. And that, then they did it on pigs. 25 minute cardiac arrest, resuscitated him. Pigs. Pigs and rats. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, I mean, it's one of the one of the, one of the you know one of the roadblocks is have they done any animal studies? Oh you know, yes. Of course, they've done. After know. him, and he tried to report it, they said, well, you know, just like they did to me, I wouldn't believe, that's not believable until you have an animal study. So he went and did it in guinea pigs, got the same result. Well, that's guinea pigs, doesn't really apply. You've got to do it in a bigger animal. So then he did it in pigs, got the same result. Well, so you, you raised an issue that also I find in, in the research. Yes. And they talk about the risk. In fact, doctors will say, oh, don't, don't use hyperbarics. Oxygen toxicity is a real thing. So, so when, when you're giving a treatment and perchance you have oxygen toxicity, and so you remove the oxygen, the pressure, and you, you, know, you, you stop drinking the Kool-Aid, as we might say, yeah. um, what sort of serious damage occurs from the oxygen toxicity? Is there, is there any? No, it depends. For the acute episode, like you're talking about, the only time you ever see that, or I should say, almost the only time you ever see that, is in the acute, extremely injured, ill people, like carbon monoxide poisoning, gas gangrene, comatose people. And those people, when treated at the highest pressures, it's been shown 3% of them can have a seizure. But true oxygen toxicity seizures are, are thought not to cause any permanent damage. They're quick live and the patients usually bounce back from it. Now this is you know, oxygen sensitivity of an acutely injured brain. Mm -hmm. We don't know that it's causing any, but you know, the other 97% that are getting it and don't have a seizure, you know, it, it, it's uh, beneficial. So it is a, a very small, very small percent. And when we look at the clinical walking people that are treated with hyperbaric oxygen in an outpatient setting for standard wound care and so on, I mean, the, the rate of an oxygen toxicity seizure is one in 10,000 to one in 60,000. Yeah, so I- It's extremely- Yeah, I know in the, in the local clinic here at Ex Vida, they've done you know, well over 10,000 
treatments have never even witnessed anything well, like that. Well, that's for seizures, yes. But you can get oxidative stress and, and overdosing at, uh, you know, with not as florid a manifestation. And if you ignore that and keep treating people in that setting, yeah, there can be some injury. So there's so sort of the, the, the statement that, that we had talked about earlier is that if you're getting hyperbaric treatments and you're continuing to see improvement, keep going. If yes. it stops, stop, take a break, you know. I mean, it's, exactly. like, it's like anything. Um, yes. Too much of something can, is just that. It's the practice of medicine, yes. Yeah. Well, thank you again for covering an important topic, strokes, and uh, hopefully, you know, people that, that have heard this know sooner the better get hyperbaric oxygen. It is the most powerful therapy to improve whatever debilitate, you know, whatever disability you've acquired from the stroke. And, um, and, and again, I think that's gonna help a lot of people. But even when it's late, as these cases showed, and all of them that we treated when we started, we're years out. Yeah, don't it's, avoid it. It's never too late. Thank you, thank you again.